Before we kick off this episode, we'd just like to acknowledge the passing of Sean Quilty, which happened over the weekend, July 16th, 2022. Sean was an Olympian and three-time world championship representative over the marathon, and he passed away after a long and courageous battle with cancer. Known to everyone in athletic circles as Doona, he won a silver medal behind his good mate Steve Monaghetti in the 1994 Commonwealth Games in Canada in 2014-57, and he wore the green and gold on three world championship occasions in Gothenburg, Athens and Seville. Sean became an Olympian in 1996, twice represented Australia in the World Cross Country, and made a second Commonwealth Games team in 1998. His lifetime PBs for the half marathon were 62-16, and 213.20. I had the privilege of getting to know Sean over a few years in the Victorian Athletic League and he picked up three sashes at stall over the years, the most recent one in 2019. Rest in peace, Sean Quilty. We are so excited that this episode of Inside Running is sponsored by Peaks and Trails, a premier trail running event to be held in Dunkeld at the foot of the Grampians on the 6th and 7th of August. We're particularly excited because last year they had to cancel the event two days out, which was a massive blow to over 250 competitors who had already entered. Welcome to episode number 246 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week of what's happening in the running world. So we're really appreciative that you're giving us some of your attention to hear us talk about it for the next uh, 60, 90 minutes. Uh, a big welcome to my co-host. He's up in Canberra, Bradley Croker. Welcome to you this week. Thanks, Brady. How are you going? Yeah, I'm going well. Thanks, Brad. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. My uh, Foxtel recorder is getting a good workout with all of the athletics that's on at the moment. Oh, my kids have never watched so much track and field in their life. You know who I'm liking, though? That mascot. He's helping out the viewing a bit when they... What, the, what, what is he? A bit of a um, oh, a Sasquatch? Is that what they're called? The yellow Sasquatch? Oh, you yeah. seen him? Yeah, I haven't seen much of the mascot because I like taped the marathon last night taped uh the 10k this morning and then i just fast forward everything that i'm not interested in watching and then just watch the stuff that i want to watch so you're missing some of his best best work that guy (laughs) anyway we'll talk about him a bit later on my other co-host the only representative we've had at a world championships male since 2017 julian spence the marathon rep at doha in 2019 another world champs goes by and you're still our only man moose welcome to the show (laughs) Thanks, mate. You've, um, yeah, you've p- cherry-picked that one nicely. That's, it's a good stat, isn't it? Think about it. We had the boys in 2017, then just you in 2019, and no one last night in 2022. Yeah, it's, I didn't watch last night, but the quality of the race was a little higher than the Doha race. <laughs> um, a bit quicker paces and deeper. I saw. I just saw one guy, Fees, Fees I forget his surname. Oh, from, yeah, a guy from Denmark. Denmark, yeah. He yeah, was listen 40, to the show, yeah. 49th. He ran 217. Two, 216, I think. Or two, yeah, 216 yeah, something? Was 16 something. Was it? Oh, he's watched. Yeah. He's Strava said 217. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. He, I mean, 217. The, the course was hilly. Did you watch it or not? Uh, I wouldn't say hilly. There was a, just a couple of lumps and bumps. So it was like a 14K loop. 
basically. And they yeah. did that three times. Warm? Warm? What was the temperature? No, it was pretty good. It was like 12 degrees. Oh, wow, yeah. Because they start at 6 a.m., didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. We'll get to that a bit later on. Um, Croaks, tell us what you've been doing in your running world, your running week, and then we'll uh, move on to the big dogs. I feel bad recapping our own weeks when there's so much like elite running going on. But yeah. anyway, we'll stick to it and do it. Won't take long because I didn't do anything real exciting. Um, so I was coming off a bit of sickness at the start of last week. Um, plus, obviously, I'd only run on the Saturday. Uh, so I'd only had one run leading up to the start of this week. So I did 32 minutes uh, on the Monday out at Mulligan's, 4.17s, then did 45 minutes on the Tuesday at 4.12s, and then Wednesday bumped it up to an hour, 4.17s, and then from about Thursday um, was completely over the sickness and um, legs started to feel really good again. So I actually started this run on the Thursday from Yerribee and then ran from Yerribee to Mulligans, did a lap and then headed back. And I think I'm going to do a bit more of this on a Thursday because I want to start doing strides. And when I run at Mulligans, I just uh, it's just there's just not a really real great place to do strides. Whereas down at Yerribee is nice and flat. Um, I can change my shoes down there, the, the, the car. So um, yeah, I did about 11 and a half k at 405s and then did a few strides. Uh, then Friday, an hour, 4.03s. Saturday, 45 minutes at 4.08s. And then 90 minutes on Sunday at 4-minute Ks. So just lots of jogging. But, um, yeah, from Thursday onwards, started to feel really good again. Um, so 92K for the week. Uh, so I might look at doing some sort of session at some point this week. Um, so, yeah, that's, that was my week. Hey, what shoes are you changing into for strides? Um, well, I only did the one, but I uh, wore the um, Asics Metaspeed Sky, Sky Plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was the first time I put them on. So I just did a few, yeah, I just did like five 20-second strides or something. But I will I will give them a, a – like it's hard to judge just doing strides. I'll give them a, a proper workout uh, maybe this week or next week. We're reviewing them next week, aren't we? Yeah, well, I'll, think put, them, so. I'll put them on this week then. Something like that. Um, what are both your boys' thoughts on doing strides in, like, not super shoes, like low-profile racing flats to try and get a bit of calf strength there? Mm. Do you like it or you reckon it's dangerous? It's not dangerous. No, not dangerous. If you haven't been in them for a while, though, potentially uh, could be. Not with that sort of, like, not... 15, no, 20, 20 seconds, seconds. And, yeah. and you're not and you're not sprinting like you're not sprinting you sort of you work into the strides as well i find like my my first couple are always pretty crap like they feel crap um compared to like my fourth or fifth it's only a minute of running isn't it and it's it's a gradual like only probably 20 seconds of high-end pace work but yeah i'd say it's i'd say it's not a bad idea like i w- it would feel quite good to do that if you have a pair left floating around. Yeah. I used to do that. Yeah, I used to do that a bit actually down at the synthetic oval that I used to run laps of. Um, sometimes I'd do some strides in uh, like streak, streak sixes or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Is it um, not enough time and duration to get like calf benefit from it though? If you're only going to do say like six or seven strides of 15, 20 seconds? It's it's not just calf. It's, it's like full ankle load as well as on a tendon like Achilles stuff, then you've got the intrinsics of the foot if you're in a more flexible shoe. Uh, and then it's it's helping, like I feel like it helps be more snappy, like ground contact time. 
um, because yeah. you, you're not sinking into foam. So I think there's a there, there is benefit using those shoes. Well, I find sometimes the downside of and because I like I only did strides in that shoe because I just wanted like yeah you know, I've had them for a few weeks. I didn't want to put them on before the marathon because I just I just didn't want to like change shoes in the lead up to the marathon. Um, and so I just wanted to put them on, but. I find sometimes doing strides in those higher stack super shoes, like there's just too much. Sometimes it's just too much shoe when you're trying to run that sort of pace. So I actually do prefer running in like a lighter, lower profile shoe just from a from a feel point of view. Yeah. Hey, Croaks, uh, what are you, two weeks past Gold Coast? Do you reckon you've dodged a board of any post-marathon injuries? Uh, yeah, like pretty good. Um the start of the week, so my first run on the Saturday, I remember I mentioned to you boys when I was warming up, like my back and hip was like just a bit tight, which tends to happen when I just take time off running. And it was a bit niggly the first half of the week. Um, but I ran today and today was the best run I've had. I had none of that um, hip tightness. And because when my hip gets tight, I start to feel sort of top of my hamstring a little bit more, feel a bit restricted when I run. But um, today it was... Yeah, 100%. So I think so. Good to hear. Moose, tell us about your week. You're building. Nice little skyscraper here. Mm, yeah, well, just got up a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Notice that. Uh, the first day of the week was on, was it the 12th? No. Nah. Sorry. I'm just looking at it this normal. The 11th. The 11th. The 11th. All right, yeah. You're on the bike. Um, no, I had a jog. Oh, you motherfucker. Oh, yeah, you did. 8K in the afternoon. Bike in the morning. Bike in the morning. So I just did 8K in the afternoon. So because I didn't do a – I didn't do a long run on the Sunday. I thought I'd get out for for a Monday jog. So, yeah, 8K, uh, 7K in the morning. Got a new pair of Nike Invincibles. Just adore that shoe for jogging in. It is – it's one of the kings. Uh, Kings of the, the, the running world for easy days anyway. So I did it Tuesday morning, did a little threshold. Oh, this was Wednesday morning, sorry. Did a little threshold. I did four by five minutes at, well, it ended up being sub-threshold. It was more tempo feel, and then I kind of kept my heart rate in check towards the end of the workout. So four by five minutes with 90 seconds job jog. I did this around the river loop, uh, which is like a combination of dirt roads. Uh, there is one asphalted section for probably a kilometer and you got to cross a little bridge but yeah it's it's not the fastest place but it, it's quite nice there's no cars and and it's a pretty flat loop really but yeah i put the better speed skies on actually liked them on this loop it re- felt really stable to me and at the pace i was going they, they felt good i know you said brady you didn't like them at the slower pace but to me they felt fine I've got a different shoe moose. Oh, you got the I've edge. Got, um, I've got yeah, the edge, yeah. Sorry. Yep, yep. Um, uh, So, yeah, this was okay. So, my laps, I, the paces that I did, I kind of eased into it. The, the laps were 334, 330, 324, 325. And, and that, my heart rate was quite good for each five-minute interval. So, 151, 163, 166, 168 averages. And my... Threshold, I, I still think, is around 170 to 175, something in that area. So I was actually happy with how this workout went, and I think I'm getting fitter. Like, it's starting to feel like that. I had Thursday off running. I uh, just thought I'd done a few consecutive days in a row by then. So I thought, let's um, 
let's take a rest day. Not because I didn't feel good, just like planned one. Then Friday, had a jog again in the morning, ran over this big hill, solid area. Saturday, did a little workout. Um, it was 10 by minute hard, minute easy. It's a pretty good one when you're coming back. I like this this workout because you can just run to feel. You don't have a track where you're looking at splits or anything. And you can jog your, your one minutes or you can float them if you're feeling like it. So it didn't, like, no pressure on them. Again, worked into it. So I felt like I'm old, old, old man things. Um, paces started out with 321 for the first rep and then it got down to everything else was under 310. But it get, got down to sort of more like 35 or lower towards the end. Uh, and yet, again, felt better. So, like, I'm starting to feel like I can get through workouts confidently, and um, like the paces are coming down. I'm recovering better in between intervals, and so like just some good signs coming. Uh, and then Sunday morning, I got out with the group. So this was my first like, I'm going to call it a long run because it was nearly an hour of running, and I just don't run that long at once like outside of workouts where they're all combined. But so an hour uh, with the group, we went up the hills, um, good little group, a few boys training for Melbourne Marathon now. And then we also had the Geelong Cross Country chat. So they're up and about, got a few new recruits from this run as well. So 60K, I think it was all up. If you piss off that bloody bike ride, um, 60K, yeah. So the biggest week I've had, Next week, I'm going to try to keep it at around 50 to 60, so I'm not going to increase it. I'm going to sit around here for a month, see how it feels, and then I might increase if I'm if all going well. Yeah, we've raced this weekend. Yes, Bandura. So up and about today on your Strava, getting the old photos up. I like that. Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? What year was that? Oh, shit. I reckon 2014, I reckon. Mm. Okay. What position were you sprinting off for? With Mate, that was, I got ninth. Oh, no, I got 10th that day, I reckon, and Mattress was 11th. So it was a decent, it was actually, a, I knew it was, I knew it was top 10. And as like, we had, we battled over the last probably 3K together. He'd go ahead, I'd pass him. And then we got to the end and he was in front of me coming on that last turn. And I pulled up beside him and I'm like, that's 10th place in front of me. I'd need to finish. But he wouldn't go away. You know when you, you pass someone in the finish straight, normally your momentum carries you forward and, like, you've got it. So this, Great photo, this, yeah. Like just well, he's probably off. thinking, I don't want to get beaten by this ex-footy player guy that's wearing the baggy shorts and the long socks. <laughs> I look like a dickhead. But <laughs> he did get beaten by me. We covered him. I, we, so what do you reckon? You got 10th, he got 9th. Um. Yeah, I think no. no I got ten. Around. I got tenth. He got eleventh. I reckon. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, it's pretty funny because everyone was like, "Why are these blokes trying so hard? <laughs> the race is over." Yeah, that's what um, it's like, though. You it is what points. it's like. That's right. I, was, I mean, I cared about top ten that day, but Jeez. and then I cared about beating Mattress for some reason. I'm gonna have to look up some old results, Croak. See if I was there that day. Oh, Probably. you'd be behind us, I reckon. I think I finished ninth as well one year, I reckon, at Bundura. That's the highest I've been. Jeez, maybe it was that year. No, it wasn't that year because the person in 10th was Nick Whiteman. We came in together. Oh, you beat Nick. Tenth. 
Yeah, it's about the only time in my life I ever beat him, I reckon. At cross, cross country. country, he was good at that. Gee. This was before. Hey, you know who's good, coming though. back? The race was cross country. Who's this, coming back? For Geelong? Nick Whiteman. Nick Whiteman. When's he coming back? I think he'll be maybe Albert Park. Is he the same Nick Whiteman of old, though? Nice. Could he come back for a few fun runs and he just wasn't the same as it used to be dominant over the cross country? Still wins that beach race every year down in Ocean Grove, mate. Okay. He gets up so, for that. That's good. Yeah, he's coming. Recruits midway through the season's an interesting move. I like it, though. Well, it's needed, like... It's paying that red on half the season's gone. That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, it takes a little bit of convincing that. Um, but we're doing well with it. Like, people are up and about. They see what's happening. They feel in the vibe. See the future of Geelong. Get on the team. Yep, I like it. I'll tell you about my week, eh? Mm. I kicked things off um, Monday. I just did 50 minutes in the morning at 4.47s. Wasn't quite right. A bit tired, a bit sick. Um, had a bit of a fever that night before, like waking up in the hot sweats and stuff like that. One minute you're freezing, the next minute you're, you're too hot. And I had this sore shoulder, which like the best way to explain it would be like I have a stitch like behind my shoulder blade. And I had it on the Sunday and I just thought it was because I'd eaten something before my run. And then like in the first couple of steps on Monday morning, it just come on straight away as well. And it just like hurt when I was swinging my arms and stuff, my left arm, which made the run pretty um pretty miserable. It wasn't a good run at all. So I decided to have the Tuesday, the Monday night off, and then on the Tuesday I booked in to see like my masseuse. Um, Tuesday morning I did get out for seventy minutes in the morning, and that shoulder wasn't too bad. But I went to my masseuse after that, and he just um yeah I was kind of on the table for an hour, and he worked me pretty well. He um. Yeah, he's pretty good, and I have to go more often because the minute I got on the table and he started like playing around my hips, my back, and stuff, he's like, "Have you raced recently? You don't really like look like you're nice and straight here, like you kind of usually do." And I was like, "Yeah," explained to him that I had a few races recently, and he, um, yeah, it was a pretty painful hour, but I felt so much better walking out of there when he was finished, and then no like shoulder issues from that. So, um, yeah, he kind of worked. I don't know, like, how is that a running injury, boy? Shoulder injury? The only thing I could think about was when I finished sand down, I had a bit of a coughing fit. And like, you know, when you like throw your body around when you're coughing, I reckon I'd mm. done something up in my shoulder. I don't know what you it do, was. You swing your arms a lot when you run, like everybody does. And, yeah. And it wouldn't and be uncommon. And it's not until I saw that you realize how much you swing your arms. Yeah. Like I, was, I used to cramp in the marathon in that back area mm. from so much real weird. arm swinging. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't think, like, I didn't want to even try doing any intensity because I'm like, if this hurts me jogging at 450 pace, I can't imagine what it's going to be like if I'm trying to get get quicker. But luckily he got in there, loosened all up and, um, yeah, felt much better. So I moved my workout to the Wednesday because I, yeah, Tuesday I wasn't confident that I was going to be okay. Similar workout to you, Moose, five-minute efforts, um, five by five I did at about 312 pace off 90 seconds jog. Really cold morning, felt like zero, it said on the old Strava weather description, but um, yeah, got it done. I like that workout because five efforts, like five reps is pretty manageable, like just easy to tick off and five minutes don't seem to go that don't go that long and um, and the pace I'm going is pretty cruisy. So all up, that was 9.2K at 3.23s, got out for 7K in the afternoon after work, Thursday, medium long run, got out for an hour 50 at 4.17s. So that was uh, 25 and a half K and then 7K in the afternoon. 
Um, and then I went easy again Friday, so 70 minutes in the morning and then 7K in the afternoon. Then my second workout of the week was just some two-minute efforts. I did eight of them off a minute jog, kind of hovering around that three-minute pace. Um, was in the ASICS meta speed edge, um, which I'm liking at that pace. It still feels... We'll talk about it more next week when we compare the two and um, and review them, but it still feels more like a lightweight uh, racing flat with a bit of cushion compared to a super shoe. It doesn't feel super shoey to me. Like It just feels like a bit more cushion than a streak. Um, so it's good at that pace, and I feel like I have to work a bit harder and be on my toes a bit more to get some stuff out of it. So hopefully when I'm back in spikes this week for cross-country, um, yeah, it's it's not such a big transition from the super shoe down to the spikes 7k in the afternoon on the saturday night after uh watching the magpies win again moose you would have been happy to see collingwood win their eighth game in a row against the adelaide crows that was uh, good saturday afternoon you know what i'm enjoying watching we're up and about aren't we the, the pies the, the umpires starting to deliver starting to deliver punishment for the blokes that drop their shoulders oh mate how about there's a few people in your club in particular, the Geelong Cats, who have been celebrated for years for like their bravery, um, for doing exactly the same thing. And then there's this young kid who just does the same thing after watching some of those blokes for years. Very different, and, uh, I reckon. It's, the AFL's got to do something about it, I think. You can't just go target umpiring one no, guy completely see, different. You're, you're, anyway, you're, listeners. You're, all right, we'll move on. We'll move on. But if the <laughs> listeners, um, overseas listeners, this was uh, Scott Pendlebury, probably the modern game's greatest player of all time. He played his 350th game, um, which is pretty amazing. When you think about 350 games of that high level of footy, imagine like getting smashed like for 25 weeks of the year and doing it for that long. Like I complain when I've got to race five times in five weeks. And I don't even get hit. A few blokes probably want to hit me, but um, they can't when we're out there racing. Anyway, I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, then Sunday, I got out for, yeah, this one. I got lost. So I went out solo. All the boys were, um, oh, Glenn was in Bendigo. Archie's just coming back. Nate's still at home in Cobram. So I got out solo. Had this, like, track I was going to do. The plan was to turn, follow this road out for 15K, turn right, hit the river, run back along the river, peel back out onto the main road, have about 8K to get home again once I hit the main road. Apart from I missed the turn at about 15K, took a turn instead about 16.5K, went in the wrong direction, got lost in the middle of the bush. And this was like a dense bush too where you're just like on this little road, can't see anywhere. Finally got myself out of the, um, the bush and then realised at about 23K that I still had about 15K to go which made my um, two-hour 20 long run into two hours 40, and I ended up covering 38.1K. Felt amazing the whole way, though. Average 4.13s and felt pretty good, um, but not the plan, but still good to, to get a long long one in because I haven't gone that, that far probably since um, pre-Melbourne Marathon last October, November, building up for the December one. So a bit of an amateur move there, not looking at the map properly, and um, yeah, discovered a few new paths that I didn't want to discover, and that week was about 173k, and we're going to Bandura this week to race again, Moose. We are. That's it. We'll be there. So it should be good. So looking forward to having a race there. But anyway, just a little good to be home, good maintenance week, finished uh, Stranger Things Croaks, you'd be happy with that. Yep. That was pretty good to finish that during the week, just get back into routine. School was back, really enjoyed this week of running and life and, and just getting everything settled. I like being at home. Homebody. Same, I'm very much a homebody. 
yeah, that Gold Coast trip, that, that, that <laughs> threw me a bit. Anyway, let's talk about some uh, real runners after we thank our Patreon supporters who are real runners as well. These guys are legend. We're going to three different countries today as well, boys. So you want to kick things off, Croaks? Yeah, I'm Take off to, us to Germany. Germany. Uh, Chris Eidhoff from Germany. Um, it lives in Furstenberg slash Havel. Uh, got some pretty good PVs, 32.49 for 10K, 73 for the half and 2.36 for the marathon. Um, he's got a beard and was once running in cold weather that it iced up on him. Uh, he's run Berlin Marathon and has some good training consistency on Strava and also looks a bit like Ollie Hoare at first glance. So thanks for your support, Chris, and um, all the best for Berlin Marathon this year if you've got an entry and you're doing it. Looks a bit like a academic version of Ollie Hall. Like if Ollie Hall was like a university lecturer and had like those circle glasses. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wonder, like if he's, I wonder if he's balding on top like Ollie Hall is. I did oh, notice that on some of the... Not good, good look for Ollie Hall. <laughs> I did notice that yeah. on the coverage. I, I noticed his, um, his training partner, Joe Kleck, has got the same thing going on. So I'm not sure what it is about um, Dathan's training. Isn't it a snapback thing when you wear hats too much, strokes? Do yeah, you? I don't know. My, I'm fine on top. You're right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a surprise. That's a wives' tale. Actually. I'm sure. That's what your mum used to tell you to get you to take your hat off. Oh yeah, maybe it is. Moose, who are you thinking? Take us to uh, London. London, yeah. From the Victoria Park Harriers, Sam Duggan. He is a mid-pack. Well. I'm this is called, according to him. According to, yeah, yeah, that's rough by you, Brady. He's no, two, covered it straight from his bio. He's a 2.44 marathoner. He's aiming to go 2.30-something in 2022-23. Uh, he's run 16.34 for a 5K and 76.41 in the Vitality Big Half. Oh, is that the one Stewie did that time? So no, the, he did like the great, great North run. Yeah, great North run. This is the one that Mo Farah, I think Jake Smith won it last year. Bakili used to do it a bit. Yeah. Well, maybe that was the 10K. I don't know. Bakili yeah. would, oh, maybe he was doing it. Could be a head of account manager as well. Okay. That's his, that's his right LinkedIn account. Yeah. Um, so thanks, Mark. Or Sam, Sam. your support. Yeah. I am going to thank my one is Steve McFarland from Copenhagen in Denmark. He's ran 17.25 for 5K, 35.31 for 10K, 1.19 for the half, and a 3.01.43 seconds at the Copenhagen Marathon. That was a two-minute PB on the day. Maybe has two kids, maybe a part of the Sparta Athletics Club. A um, few tattoos on him as well. Going to go on with the Yakabinga Britson, you know, with the random ones just dotted mm-hmm. around. I reckon yep. he had like a triangle on one of his biceps, something like that, when I looked at his photo the other day. So um, there's a bit going on with those three international Patreon supporters this week. Steve, Chris, and Sam, massive thank you to you three and all the patrons over there. Keep the lights on at the Inside Run podcast. Keep us accountable. Keep us rocking up every Monday night so we can bring the show to you. We really do appreciate your support to help us um, talk about running and cover the sport, what's been happening in the week. Let's go to World Champs now, boys. Let's do it. Mm. What are your vibes early days? You've been enjoying it. You've been enjoying their coverage. It's been really accessible. I've enjoyed that part of things. Do you like the vibe? Tell me just if like your first summary of the whole games of world champs. Croaks, it's you. You tell um, us. I've been loving the coverage because um, originally I thought I was going to be watching uh, SBS Demand, which would have been fine, but then I found out that um, is it B, uh, BN, BN Sports Channel on Foxtel? 
Um, so I've been able to record all of that. Um, I think my takeaway is just how cutthroat it is. Like I know we'll talk about it a bit later, but you know, like I had Ollie Hoare as a shoe in for the final, um, and for him to miss it just goes to show that you know if you have an off day at that sort of level, um, you're going to be shown up, and yeah, you're not going to get the result that you wanted. Yeah, Moose, yeah. first impressions before we go to the results. Yeah, I I thought a similar thing to Brad. I was watching the steeples, and I'm like, there. There are no pretenders here. This is like, this is different. This is different to Diamond Leagues as well mm-hmm. because there's so many more people and you've got the top from each country. It's not who you know to get into the race. And I was, I was just going, there's, there's nowhere to hide either. Like we are watching on TV. We're watching everybody on the track. The results are popping up. It's, it's brutal. I, I think as well, Moose, like the – the qualification standards over the last five years have become brutal for the distance events. So that makes it that way. Like back in the day, you know, when say for the 1500, it was 340 or 339 to qualify. Like now it's what, 334, 335. So, you know, if you do have a bad day, you are going to like almost finish last because, yeah, you're racing against all of these 335 runners. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the standard's amazing. It is. Um, stadium's not real full. Have you mm. noticed that? A lot yeah. of green seats there. I thought they would have been fuller over there. Why do you reckon that is? Because I like I went to um, 2003 World Champs and it was in Paris and it was at Stade de France, like their major stadium, and it was packed. Like every night of the athletics, like there wasn't an empty seat. So is it is it just that athletics is bigger in Europe than it is in the US? Um I think the afternoon afternoon session's quiet, but the evenings have been real busy from what I've seen. Stadium only holds 12,900. Yeah, the the evening session was busy. I I saw the stadium was nearly full when I was watching. What, today? uh, The the finals, I think it was the, was it the, well, what was it? What was I watching that was, um, it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Oh, I've seen a couple like, you know, 70, 80% like looks full, but not, I haven't looked into the crowd once yeah. and seen like Yeah, there's, a few, there's still a lot of seats. I did notice that. But, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. It's not like it's crazy hot or anything. Hmm. Like it's warm, but it's not crazy. Dave Tarbottom sent me, um, did he send it to you guys as well, like a big email about like all the world championships? No. Nah. Like media, it's good, I'll forward it on to you. And I didn't realise the prize money was so good. Mm. 70000 bucks for a win, 35 for second, 22000 for third. Pays all the way down the top eight, so I guess you're making a final. Fifth for eighth, that's, that's a pretty good result. You only get five grand. It's pre- um, well, you say it's good. Imagine being the fastest man or woman in the world over 100 metres, glory event, right? Mm-hmm. And only winning 70 grand. 70 grand for 10 seconds. No, no. Do you, know, do you know how much these, these blokes are getting offered out of college to go and play like wide receiver or something in the. Uh, <laughs> In the NFL, yeah, and like, you look at the and you look at the marathon. You know, like you win a major city marathon and you're winning what 150,000 plus your appearance money. Still yeah, not, still not quite as good, but like you know, like what I like. There's no is weak that, events either, is there? Like it's yeah. they're all loaded. I actually never knew what the money was before. That's probably why I brought it up. If you break the world record, you get a hundred thousand. Yeah, that's not going to add to it. On top, on top of the seventy thousand. Yeah, I think so. All right. It's good bonus. Who's the who's the pole vaulter? He just knocks off another centimeter every time he jumps, doesn't he? Just to keep getting the bonuses. That's so clever, isn't it? Duplantis or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, just just has like seven world records a year, just chipping away at them. Let's go to the uh, men's steeple, boys. This was the first thing that came across our TV screens. This was Saturday morning, wasn't it? The the heats, yeah, it was cutthroat. No semis for the um, steeple, so they run heats straight to the final. We saw Ben Buckingham was in the first one. He uh, finished ninth in a time of 8.29.1. And then Ed Trippis was sixth in the second heat. He ran 8.23.8. Missed the final by one place, Ed did. Uh, Second best ever placed by an Australian at the World Champs. Second fastest time ever by an Australian at the World Champs. And at the Olympics World Champs in the last half century, only Yusuf Abdi and Sean Crichton have been better. Thoughts on this? Well, also you go, you go, Miss. I thought they they actually ran quite similar until maybe the last four to five laps. Mm. They were both in the same position in the packs, and um, they were sort of they were doing their best to hold on. And then Ed just managed to hold on for a lot longer. And to, he got to a point where he was threatening to move up, but Ben wasn't. Ben sort of fell away, lost six seconds in those sort of four or five laps or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, 8.29 is decent time at the championships, um, and especially the way Ben's heat went, where it was slow, slow, fast, fast, and then really fast. Like, that. that's not an optimal way to run fast times, and that's where the class athletes can really step up. Um, and I mean, not that Ben isn't a class athlete, but he's not that class. So you're never going to be able to, to close like those guys and you'll get left behind like he did. Yeah, not a huge amount off his PB. Like his PB is 8.19. So like in a, in a race that's not set up for PB is to be 10 seconds off it. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good effort. And he's he, he'd had a... You know, he kind of was just getting it right at the right time, Bucks, wasn't he? Like, he didn't have a great start to the season, the European season, and um, I think he'll be, he'll be pleasantly pleased with that performance considering where he was at probably six, eight weeks ago. Um, you're right about Ed, though. When, and, and it's a perfect example when you watch both those heats how big the big dogs are when they want to move. Yeah. Like, when the race gets sorted out with a K to go, it very quickly becomes who's going to the final and who's who's not making up the numbers because it's world championships, but who's working really hard to um, maybe knock on a, on the door of a PB. Yeah, exactly. It's they don't let it they don't let it turn into a last lap, do they? It just it goes and it goes early, and they don't need to keep pushing either. Um, as soon as they find themselves out, then it's like it just breaks everybody. But it's like they just flick a switch, isn't it? Like in the space of 100 metres, the race just is blown apart. Yeah. Um, and that final, I think it's on tomorrow, so we're recording Monday night. I think Tuesday during the day, Australian time, is going to be a great final. I think there's some big, big hitters in that final there. Uh, tell us about the women's steeple moose. You watch this. I, this is the one race I haven't got around to watching yet. Yeah, I watched these as well. Um, I was Brielle Urbacher was out heat in heat one. Um, she was eleventh in nine forty. So again, similar to sort of Barks in that, that she she got it in the right spot, but then once the pace got going, um, the the pack moved on, and she's she's only really young, so that's great experience for her. Uh, Amy Cashin really impressed me actually. She she ran. 921 in heat two which 
although she was eighth in the heat, like she was 19 seconds faster than um, Brielle in from heat one. And so she ran a six second PB. It moved her to fourth all time. And what real what I really liked about Amy was how gritty she was because every time she went over a water jump, she was landing like double legged instead of all the girls around her that kind of landed on one leg and kept their momentum going. Whereas she would go over the water jump and like get a real handbrake and get jolted backwards almost and then have to start up again. And so you could see what was happening is every lap she would lose all her momentum and then have to put in like a, a big surge to get back to where she was. And what she was actually doing was she would surge around those people again and, and get back. And then it's almost like, oh, like her steeple technique was kind of at the, at the water was, was sort of holding her back a little bit. So I think that she has a massive future just based off how hard, how much harder it was for her in that race than, than, than the others around her. Yeah, a massive PB, six-second PB. Um, she moves to fourth all-time on the Australian rankings. Did you see that, Croaks, that race? Yeah, I did. Like, if I was comparing – so I would have put her race similar to Ed in that she was always in the right spot. And you sense that, um, like, you know, Ben fell away, Brielle fell away, and, and Cara also fell away, like, in the last third of the race. Like, Amy was still there fighting and so and, – and, and looked quite strong. So I think she will – yeah, definitely be one to watch over the next couple of years. Um, whereas, yeah, Brielle and Cara, they, like I think it was a really good sort of learning experience for those two this this time around. Yeah, so Cara Fien Ryan was 11th in Heat 3, 9.43. Um, and, yeah, so she, I mean, similar to Brielle, is that, like, it's just a just a harsh environment that, yeah. Um, so Amy was two spots and only 0.4 off qualifying. So, yeah, it's pretty close, but, again, big future there. A bit like Ed, hey, just missed, like, mm. sneaking in there. Yeah. But, hey, uh, like, P, to, to PB at a major championship, like, you can't ask for any more than that. So, oh, and six yeah. seconds over 3K. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a big PB. And, and, what, fourth all-time Australian now. So, like, you know, that – and she's so young. Like, that Aussie record's uh, in, in danger, I reckon. Yeah, and you know what? She went to the Olympics, but this is their like second major championship. And then yeah. you look at Cara and Brielle, like that's that's just time they're putting in, isn't it? Like, um, that's going to be such a valuable experience for both of them. Definitely. Future's bright for women's steeplechase. Peaks and Trails event already has well over 170 entrants with fantastic cash prizes on offer across all distances. On the Saturday, there is a warm up event with the Mud Dud Jug Challenge up Mount Abrupt. It's a 6.2 kilometre dash to the summit and back gaining 430 metres of elevation. Then on Sunday is the main event, kicking off at 6.45am with 50, 20, 13.5 and 6.4 kilometre distances, all starting and finishing in the picturesque township of Dunkeld. Whatever your distance, celebrate the 2022 event as it takes you on all new trails encompassing recently opened sections of Gary Word, showcasing the best the Grampians has to offer. It really is a showcase of the southern end of Gary Word. Having competed a number of times, I love seeing the community members out on the trails volunteering their time as marshals. Their encouragement and enthusiasm is the boost you need in the hard moments. To enter, visit Peaks and Trails on Instagram, Facebook or the website. The biggest decision is what distance you're going to do. We also have a competition running. 
check out the socials for details. Uh, let's go to the women's 1500. So the heats have happened, the semi-finals happened, the finals tomorrow. I thought all three Australian ladies looked fantastic in the heats. Um, Jess Hull, Lyndon Hall and Georgia Griffith. Um, remind me, I've just got it open now. Did they win? Did Jess win her heat? I'm getting heats and semifinals confused. You guys remember off the top of your head? Georgia mm-hmm. was third in her heat. She ran 4.07. She went off first. Um, Jess Hull was second. Faith kept Yeag on. Yeah, that's right. Um, in 4.04. And then Lyndon in her heat was third in 4.03. So we got three through the semis. Then the semifinals happened. Um, this was exciting, boys, because we were thinking, you know, there's a potential mm-hmm. chance that we can get all three through. Tactically, Jess Hull was amazing again. She finished third in her race, 4.01.8. She got a big qualifier. Lyndon in that same race, though, she was ninth in 4.04.85. Um, and then Heat 2 rolled around, which is obviously a massive advantage when you've got small queues. Um, so what was it? The first, first six... First five were guaranteed, and then they took the next two fastest. However, they didn't make that one quicker. So um, Georgia was fourth and got through as an automatic qualifier, and they just took the first five from that one. She ran 405.1. Pretty good tactically again, I thought, Georgia. And um, that shows Georgia and Jess are both through to the final tomorrow. Exciting times, boys. Lyndon would have to be a bit disappointed with that. Like, is it, it must be hard being an Olympic finalist and then going to your next championship and not making through to the final. But as you said, Crooks, yeah. it's so cutthroat. Yeah, and like she put herself, she was leading um, the semi there for a while. Um, she led it and slowed it down though. Did you notice that? Yeah, and, and I think though the 1500, it really comes down to, you know, that last 300, you've either got it or if you're having a bad day, you just don't have the legs and you could see that she just sort of was, you know, getting filtered back through the field. Um, but Jess, like tactically, she's so good. And, you know, like it's going to be hard for her to win a medal just based on like the field. But you know that she's going to definitely be putting herself in the right position to maximize her, her result uh, in the final tomorrow. And, yeah, and, can right. I say, and Georgia as well. Like obviously about our chat last week with the whole selection thing, um, you know, she's done everything that you could ask for in terms, and definitely deserves a spot there. Um, she, yeah. she, was, she was real gutsy because I reckon with 200 to go, I'm like, oh, it's going to be touch and go here as to whether she gets swamped by the rest. But she she hung really tough in that last 150. Yeah, and I don't think our conversation last week was about no one not deserving to go. It was more about the selection policy being confusing. Yeah, um, yeah. But and, you still, you know, yeah. yeah. But you still got to wonder, like, that's still got to play on athletes' minds a little bit. Like, don't you reckon? You know, well, she was she was the one in the conversation more than Lyndon and Jess after what they did at the Olympics. Wasn't exactly, it? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you still, you know, you still got to play in it, like in the back of your head a little bit. So, but she's she's run so well up until now. Moose, give me a prediction for the final. What's going to happen? It's loaded. Yeah, yeah. Could be the I, race, the championships. I reckon this one. I think Faith, um, Faith kept Yagon, big favourite though. If you, it's Jess Hull has been very aggressive in her racing, and I really like it. She's been going to the front or to the second or third spot every, like in both her races, and I, I like I think that's like it's just shown so much confidence, and that they're not there to. To fuck around or make up the numbers like they're there to stay out of trouble be at the front and um 
not earn their place in the final, but almost demand their place in the final, like at, because that's where they belong. So I thought all three girls, it's almost like there's been a bit of direction um, in the athletes. The uh, like from, I don't know, they just seem to be running a little differently in the men's 15s as well. It was the same type of uh, race plan, like from the, the blokes. I know they all wouldn't have had the same direction because they all have different coaches, but it was just great to see Australian uniforms at the front of the pack instead of sitting off the back and just hoping to hang on. Yeah, well, it's the expectation for viewers now, isn't it? Like if you follow the sport, like you, you expect those guys to have a crack and and mostly make it through. Yeah, well, that's and, and most girls. of them did really yeah. throughout the yeah. heats and the um, like we got five out of six through the heats mm-hmm. and then um, I know what you mean though like there was that like Gregson got through at Rio 2016 and I'm trying to think who this would be a good question Luke Matthews would know off the top of his head who what finalist had we had at world championships or Olympics in the 1500 before that I think it was I think it was ages ago it was yeah a long time I know Olympics it was yeah. when Gregson made it that was a huge gap but yeah you're right we we've got used to expecting no one making it through and now just like the expectation that yeah, yeah, standard, you actually make it through the standard of the world is higher but it's also the standard um the standard in australia is just phenomenal right now but yeah i think look i don't know how it will play out but i i see jess i just see jess hull going to the front making a real play of it and um georgia i mean she's she doesn't have the experience maybe doesn't have the uh well the credentials to be up challenging for a place in the final but it would be great to see her sort of get in that maybe like top eight that would be a big result for her i feel like it's a free free swing for georgia really like i think she's you know to be in the finals an amazing you know achievement as it is so she's got nothing to lose basically um whereas i think jess goes in with probably a bit more pressure like she like i think she would love love to medal um, but if she can't medal, then I reckon like you know top five sort of thing. That's probably where she's she's hunting. Yeah, mm. yeah. Top yeah. five with a bit of luck, yeah. maybe croaks. Yeah, because you're looking at you got um, Kippy Agon, Segay, Muir. Like they're going to be hard to beat. Um, so they're probably my top three. Um, and that Sinclair yeah. Johnson's been running really well for the US. So it's her trainer partner. I reckon she'll have her measure though. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a good she's race. Gotta, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that one tomorrow. Um, let's move on to the men's 1500. So we saw Ollie and Stewie win both their heats. They both looked really good. As you said, that commanding kind of front running. I thought when Ollie had to push the button and kind of make some moves with 150, 180 metres to go, he looked super smooth. Uh, Matt Ramsden was the other one there. He didn't make it through the heats. He was ninth in his heat in 339.8. Same thing again, and I'm, I'm not sure if I've seen this at a championship in a while where the third heat usually knows what time they've got to run, so they get the little Q qualifiers, um, and they didn't. They needed to run 336.4 to get the extra people through the heat, and um, it was a slower one, and they just took the first however many it was in the heats. Six? Five. Yep. I think it was six, then five for the semis. Um, Matty Ramsden looked a bit out of place, like arms and legs going everywhere, kind of head wobbling a bit. Um, but experience would be good for him as well. Ben, I thought, yeah, Ollie and Julie were great in the heats, which saw them into the semis today. Any questions, uh, any comments about Rams in there before I go to the semis, boys? No, or Stewie I think, or Ollie? 
like I think that's the way Ramsden runs, arms and legs sort of everywhere. Like he was definitely in the in the mix for a lot of it, um, just not like when it counted at the end. Um, but let's move on to the semis. I reckon that was the yes, that was the shock for me today. That was. I was on yard duty and my phone was just lighting up. I thought the race was at 12.30 and just clocking off yard duty and then getting a stack of messages. So Ollie Hall went in the first one. Um, people talking medals. Mm. He's been dominating the Diamond Leagues, finishing just behind Jakob. Looked amazing in the heat. But uh, disappointingly, I guess, for us as Australian fans and probably himself, he finished 10th in 338.3. We'll go with that race first before we talk about Stewie in the second one. It looked messy. He got checked with, like, two laps to go and um, looked like he got kind of flung back in the pack a bit, spent some energy getting back to the front, and then the race was on with 100 metres to go, and he um, he got blown out the back, I guess, is the best way to summarise it. Mm. For me, the, the writing was on the wall when they came through with two to go. Like, I don't know how bad because like Ollie's the type of guy that will get up like into first or second and sit there basically right until two hundred to go and then just cover all the moves. And when he was, he just got filtered back with like two laps to go, and they went through. I think the second lap was only like a sixty-one, so it wasn't even that quick. And I thought, oh, this is like this is not what Ollie does. And then the fact that he got filtered back through the field, he then rallied for the next probably 600 metres to get himself into a decent position. But I think he just used too much gas in that six, that 600 to try and get himself back into a position that he had nothing left for that last 200. Spent a lot of time in um, lane two and th- like nearly a lane three there too, wasn't he? Trying yeah. to get around there. But I had him, I had him in the final. I had him as a lock in the final. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a medal chance. I thought, like, genuine. Um, but... It's different racing, isn't it? It's not Diamond League where the the gun goes and the rabbit goes and Jakob goes as well and you just hang on for as long as possible in like a 10-man a field. These are the best guys in the world. And in that last 100 metres, um, there were some guys who really showed some amazing kick finishes and closed super hard. And there's also the variables of a major championship where, you know, you go to a Diamond League and it's a, it's a one-off race and then you have a week to recover yeah, so, he's done this 24 hours earlier, hasn't yeah, he? And, and some people can do that better than others. So um, I'm not sure. I reckon there's something going on with Ollie, though, because that was just um, out of character for him. So I don't know whether he was a bit sick or niggle or what, but, um, yeah, I was definitely shocked when I when I watched it. Yeah, he seemed pretty confident in some of the interviews he did. Mm. He didn't explain anything after the after the heat. Um, Moose, any, any comments there about Ollie before we get to Stewie? Yeah, it was like unexpected when I saw it happen, and you you could see he, he hit the straight, and all of a sudden you're like, why isn't he running faster now? Mm-hmm. And and then once you got eight blokes around you, it's like, oh, I can't like, it, it was done. And I think there's a big fail for Ollie. Like we got to be got to be real about it. He was one of the favourites going in, and he hasn't made the final. Like this is where athletics tends to be quite soft on on the athletes, I think, like the athletics community goes, oh, well, great job, you made the semi, whatever, um, good experience. But when you start to become the favorite, like if this was a if this was a Kenyan right now, we'd be going, that's no good, he'd be going home very unhappy and there'd be questions asked. Like, do you, do you agree this was like, this was a, a pretty, a pretty, well, it is a it's a failure, really. Oh, and and Ollie would be the first to admit that. Like he he would be pissed right now. Like he would have expected to be in the final. 
Yeah. I think it's the same as the Linden, though. When you make it the year before in an Olympic final, it's like anything less than making the final is a failure. Like, yeah, yeah. When, you're, when you're pushing the Olympic gold, Olympic champion in a mile, like, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand and leaving the rest of the field for dead, like, you're, you know, I would have been going into these championships thinking I was making the final if I was Ollie based on what he'd been doing this season. And then, so, you like, outside of illness or injury, we, you, you've got to sit down and go, what what did we do that we should have, like, did we do something wrong here? Did we not do enough of one thing? Did we do too much of another thing? Um, where was the where was the failure in preparation where I couldn't pull this off, where I've been able to do it pretty much every race I've shown up to beforehand? Mm. And that's why it'd be good to hear an interview to see, like, to find out, you know, was he was he sick? You know, because it just yeah. He can't be. Oh, yes, you can get sick. I guess in twenty four hours. But yeah. how he looked on the, the heat to the final. Yeah, mm. was, looked completely different. What do you put it down to, Moose? No, I don't coach? know. You coach Charlie Pashley, Olympian. Because <laughs> uh, you can have a serious conversation. You could say like you could you could use the Diamond League as an example of that's one style of racing, and maybe he's done too much of that style of racing. No, I, I think he's a good. You don't think it's I that? think he's a good racer. So like, do I. Yeah, NCAA stuff is done. I and and you saw him at the Olympics. He was a good racer until like. Obviously, the final was a bit tougher, but um, he's, you know when he shows up, he, he can race. So I don't think it's a tactical thing. Um, I don't know the answer. I like, I'm not going to pretend to know either. Did you guys think that the first semi was way more stacked than the second? Yeah. Like, well, I, it had like, the Olympic gold medalist, silver medalist, bronze medalist, and the world indoor champion. Yeah. yeah. Like, he beat the Olympic gold medalist. That's four yeah. right there. Um, but I guess they what like they don't look at that or do they or do they just look at what happened in the heats? I think and, it goes to the information from the heats. Yeah. yeah. So um, because it was yeah yeah you know, and I guess that's why they you know but I really realistically if you're going to challenge in the final you should be able to finish top five in your in your semi um, regardless of who's you know, who's in it. Yeah, we're going to see him in 48 hours later anyway, aren't you? Yeah. Did you watch Josh Kerr's race? In the same, did you? I watched it. I watched it about three times. The first two, I only watched Ollie, and then the third time, I watched Josh Kerr. No, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pay too much attention. I, I didn't Dangerous. rewind it and watched it. Watch it either. Dangerous. When Ollie gets filtered back at two laps to go, he lands kind of like right near Josh Kerr, and then Josh Kerr just stays there on the rail, boxed in, four deep, and he literally does nothing until there's about seventy meters to go, and he just zigzags through about five guys, hits the front. He looks good for the final, boys. But let's talk about the semi-final number two. Uh, that was where Stewie went to the front, as Stewie tends to do. He finished fifth in the end. He was pretty commanding. I think he ran a couple of 56s, 57s in there. He made sure it was fast. A few guys went past him in the uh, straight, but he was easing up. He was making sure he was top five. He got the big Q. He ran 335.07. The king of King Island is back. He's in a, another major final do you reckon he was easing up i reckon he was tying up you reckon he was tying up i reckon you guys you guys have been off the stewie bandwagon the last couple of days look i hope i'm i hope i'm wrong but i felt like with 200 to go that stewie like it was pretty much a a race like an all-out race for stewie with 200 to go well like in that last the last part of the race i felt like he was tying up more than backing off I thought with 1,200 to go when he was going super hard, I'm just like, oh, this is this is him pushing the envelope. Pushing so, as look, as at, the end, at the end of the day, like he's in the final and, you know, you, you don't want to run conservative in the semis and miss the final. So good on him for being there. But I just felt like he, like it was a pretty hard effort for Stewie. 
Yeah, I, I still don't think he's fully 100%, whether it's his body. I think this, I think this, like he looks a little proppy to me, especially at the end of that race. And I know it's probably because he just ran through like 1,200 metres very, very fast. Um, he still ran 335, and that was with a slow last 100 metres. <clears throat> so he was probably going through in a 331 pace maybe. But, yeah, he uh, he he was all out, I agree, Brad. I don't think he was um, conserving anything at the end. Yeah. And, and you could tell by the runners around him through the last sort of 100 metres those guys were actually conserving but still looking pretty poppy a lot of forward momentum whereas he started to go up and down and move backwards and it was um but but you've got to give kudos to him he he makes the race and he he gives himself the absolute best shot to be in the final so you've got ollie Hoare who missed the final who's sitting at home going maybe i wish i did something different but Stewie's not doing that. Stewie's sitting at home going, fuck yeah, I'm in the final. And you've, you you kind of race. <laughs> he's racing to be in the final. He's making sure of it. There is no questions that that man's going to be in the final by the way he races. Yeah. It, and so you've got to give him credit for that, even if it might come to his detriment in the last sort of 400 metres um, of the 1500 final, whenever that is. Like, that's probably... Like, he's still in the final. That's what he's racing for. And the good thing is, because he was in the second semi, like, he knew that if he time-trialed it, he could finish top seven and make it through. And, yeah. you know, and at that pace, it's going to be hard for, for you know, eight guys to beat him. Everyone mm. else in that race just must look and go, fuck, Stewie's in my heat. We're going <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah, This is going to be a drawn-out, single-file, like, hard-from-the-gun race. Ain't no sitting and kicking in a Stewie McSween race. Very lightly raced too, Stewie. Like, we've only seen that 3K from him recently um, after the COVID or the vaccination or whatever that was that saw him out for the majority of the European season. Yeah, that's so true. maybe just getting fitter with every race, boys. He, he used to race, you know, mm. in, in history has raced a lot leading into championships, whereas they, this year... Yeah, and they get a day so off much. as well. They get a day off uh, before the final. Yeah, they go Wednesday, don't they? Midday, something Wednesday. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that could help. That could help. Any predictions? Oh. Give me who's who's your first, second, third there. Uh, I've got to go my training partner, Ingebrigtsen. Your, bro- your brother-in-law. <laughs> he's, yeah. Like, did you see how easy? Like, he was he was dead last, and then he's just like, you know, I'll, I'll just roll around into lane three to, on the bend to get to the front. And yeah, um, but that being said, there's a couple of guys that I reckon have upped their game since the Olympics. Like Josh Kerr has looked good, Jake Whiteman. Yeah, I like both those guys. What about the Kenyans? Kip Sang looked good. He looked mm. like he was doing a workout. Yeah, look, it's one of the most exciting events I reckon at the moment. The men's 1500, like it's just so much depth and it's it's so global as well. What Everyone... do you think is going to happen in the race? Do you think it's going to be Jakob to the front or Cherry? Mm. Cherry hasn't been doing a lot of front running like we usually see him doing. Yeah, so... Because Stewie's doing that. Will Stewie go to the front? It, it won't be slow. Like, Inga Britson will want it. He'll want it. He'll want to grind them into the ground rather yeah, rather not. than save it up, rather than save it for, like, you know, a last lap kick. He's yeah. a red-hot favourite, Inga Britson, $1.56. 
He is so good at kicking off a fast pace. Yeah. I think that's his jam. Kick off a fast pace. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Let's move on to the 10K, which was this morning. We had one Australian in there. This was, uh, I think you were up, Moose, watching it live, 6 a.m. Croaks, you wouldn't have been up that early. You would have been recording this one, watching it later on. We were chatting to Christian from Norway whilst it was happening. Huge pack with a lap to go, five or six guys there. Chep, did I come home in 53.4 seconds to take the win? His training partner, Jacob Kipolimo, was second. And third place was the Kenyan. Let me tell you what his name was, boys, because I don't have that in my results here. Anyone remember off the top of your head? Borrega was fourth, and yeah. then Grant Fisher was fifth, which was a bit of a upset not seeing, um, not seeing. I thought, Borrega in the medals, the Olympic champ. You lost your house, didn't you? Didn't you put your house on him? Nah, Aragawi, I had my house on. He came about seventh. He was leading at the bell, though. If only they paid out when whoever's leading at the bell. Um, Jacob Kipolino, sorry, was third, and Marubi, the Kenyan, was second. They come across, look at these times, 27, 27.4, 27.7.9, 27.27.9, 27.28.1, 27.28.3. Mohamed from uh, Canada was in there in six. Jack Rayner was in 19th spot in 28-24. 19 of the 24. Yeah, Comments? He, this was a great race, but then talk about Jack. It's a brutal race. Again, it just like the last mile. You would not expect to see so many guys left with 200 to go after they've just, after they're in the middle of the, in the process of dropping a, a 402 mile. And and that's what made it such a good way. Like the the ladies was a great race too, mm-hmm. but the men's there were more people in the mix with two hundred to go. And you like you said, you got Borrega. I had one eye on Borrega, one eye on Chapter Guy, and I was I thought these are the two that are going to bang it out. Um, and that is disrespectful to like the, the amazing talent that was in that pack as well. Uh, but yeah, no, that's it was great to see Joshua Chapter Guy. I really like him. Because they rolled him the same way at Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not known for that. Like, of course, he's a world record holder, but not known for that top end, like, closing 150 metres at the end. He's very good. I wonder if he went away that day from Tokyo and thought, I'm going to have to work on that. Like, that's that's something that is going to be the difference between me getting a medal or or not, or a gold and a silver. It's so hard to pick these winners, though, because he sh- like I think he'd only had one race this season, which was at 12.55 when he went and chased the world record at Prefontaine Classic the night before. Remember that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, is he in shape? I haven't seen him for ages. And then he comes out and does that. And it's um, also a cool event because you've got guys like Kip Limo, who's like what world record holder in the half marathon, coming down to yep. the 10. Then you've got guys like Aragawi, who's been like killing it over 5K. He's just got that raw speed at the end. And you're just not sure how it's going to play out. But I'm always amazed at how they close in 53. The lap before that's like 60. 60, yeah. And mm-hmm. and the majority of them before that are like 66 to 68. So it just goes to show like how comfortable these top guys must be feeling with like three laps to go to be able to just, you know, close that fast. It is. And when you watch them live, it's an experience in itself that you just feel like, Things are just warming up. Things are boiling away, and then bam! Like mm. it, just seeing them sprint down the back straight like that, three or four across the track. It's it's incredible to watch. Mm. Yeah. Jack's run, Moose. What do you think of that? I didn't see a lot of it really because he he's sort of off the back 
what about 4K maybe? Um, it did start reasonably um, docile, the pace. So he um, when it started to get going, I think it was Kip Limo who went to the front and Kip Limo started to, 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 to put the foot down. He went in front of Mayo from Spain and, and that's when it strung out a bit more and we started to see maybe the back sort of 10 guys drop drop off and that's when Jack went. And um, I don't, like we didn't see it, see much of him after that he, he did well he didn't get lapped so we didn't even see him at the very end he'd be pretty stoked about that i reckon and i thought 28 was it 28 24 yeah yep. i thought that was okay like i know he he won't be happy with that he's a class athlete it's what fucking minute off his best um but i thought he did really well after getting dropped because there is a decent like it's very difficult to run a 10k race after getting dropped from the main pack and you're out there by yourself slogging away, uh, all eyes on you. It's it's very difficult. And so, I, like, I was, I was kind of, I think he'll be proud of himself for finishing um, and not stepping off when, like, on paper it would have made sense to step off and get ready for the five. What are these guys up the front that were running 50 seconds a minute slower than their PBs? You know, they're 26, 30 guys. Yeah. Well, that's, 30. Like it's, yeah, yeah that's, it's, that's exactly sometimes right. Sometimes when you see Jack's point. result further down, you go, oh, geez, he's a minute off. And you go, yeah, but so are these other guys. And Jack's done it in a time trial setting, which a lot of these other guys at the top have as well. Yeah. I guess, you know, if you, you know, he was pretty close to Joe Klecker in that Diamond League over 5K, probably and probably a similar athlete to Joe, I reckon, in terms of ability. Um, so Joe was like ninth in 27, 38. Um, but yeah, like I'm no doubt, I'm sure Jack wouldn't be happy with it. Um, but yeah, 10k, 10k is brutal. First big 10k for him too in the on the international stage, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, let's go next, boys. I think I've covered all the Australians who have been in action so far, but there was a couple of other amazing races which were there, which didn't have any Australians in them. Unfortunately, the women's 10k. This was uh, similar to the men's 10k, a big kick down. You had G'day, you had Obiri, you had Hassan. There was one more in there as well because Hassan was fourth. It was the Kenyan who snuck through on the inside. I'll get her name up while we're talking now. But the article says G'day now has a gold medal to go over two world records as she won a super tight women's 10,000 metres where the top three were separated by just 0.13 of a second. The question's asked here though, should she be disqualified? Did you see the finish? Oh, for running out into lane two? Yeah, how she pushed her wide. Oh, when no. I say push, she ran wide. Not no, she didn't. She that happens, happens in a lot of, like... It's tactics, it's happened in the, like it. It's happened in the past. Yeah, it's tactics. Yeah. I didn't see that. I watched the race and I didn't even realise that. Yeah, watch it again and just look where... Look where G'day is around the home... Like, around the home bend, and then look where she finishes... Beer is trying to go past her on the outside, and G'day just keeps moving further and further out. Is it not the last run? Yeah, the last twenty meters really. Last she 20, goes. Yeah. She goes from being pretty much lane one to like middle of lane two. That's just racing tactics. Mm. Get past her if you don't want that happen to you. I reckon. Yeah, it didn't seem dodgy at the time. It seemed like she won fair and square, but yeah, maybe I was, didn't have the right angle in it. Kip Kemboy was third in that race before Hassan, who was fourth. I thought mm. Hassan in the kick finish would have had those. Same situation, though, as the men's. G'day gets rolled at Tokyo Olympics with the kick finish. Comes out, works on a kick finish. Closed mm. in 60. 
um, yeah. to make sure she wasn't going to get out kicked this time. 30.09, 30.10, 30.10, The first four ran, so pretty quick going there as well. Thoughts, boys? Loved it. Great, great race to watch. Um, yeah, Hassan, though, I thought was a bit... Well, no one really knew what shape she was in because she hadn't really raced a lot. Um, and it comes down to, you know, everyone thinks that because she's got that 1500 meter speed that if she's there with a lap to go she's going to towel them all up but it just goes to show like how much strength is required in a 10k and it's not always the case like same sort of thing with kip limo you know you're expecting like the half marathon guy to be out kicked by someone like aragawi and it, it just doesn't happen uh, but yeah certainly moose any comments there no i thought hassan spent so much time like at the back uh didn't really see her until the end and then never really made it through to the front at all. Normally, I think she kind of just expected it to happen. A couple of big UK results there as well, like Alicia McCoglin and Jess Judd in 10th and 11th, both running 30-34, 30-35. We often compare ourselves to the bridge, don't we? Australia. McCoglin just a gun on the road, but doesn't like she made the pace in this race. She was out the front early and she like she kind of just disappeared off the off the front uh, she still held on okay she came 10th but um i just don't feel like she's so much better on the road yeah well she's ran 3019 on the track and 3019 on the road and her half marathon 66 26 yeah which probably converts yeah no uh, do you reckon maybe i don't know yeah. i just she I just, just doesn't seem to, to get guys. beaten on the road, but then she... Yeah, but what race is she doing? Yeah. This is pretty... Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys I know who are 30, 20 guys who run 60, 66, 20. Don't know. I reckon that stacks up pretty well, in my opinion. Okay. Tell us, tell us about the marathon, though, Croak. you watch this one? Um, yeah, so big pack early on. Um, really slow to start with. I think they went through, like, 15... 50 or so for the first 5k went through halfway in like bang on 64 minutes and still a really big pack there um and then at like 35k uh tamarat toll i just went bang um and just gapped the rest of the field ran like ran like a 1355 5k split from 33k to 38 and like you know with 2k to go he was so far in front he could have jogged it in so he won the race in 205.36, which was a championship record. Took 78 seconds off Abel Karui's championship record, which he set in Berlin in 2009. Um, Ethiopians then went 1-2. Um, Geremu was second in 206.44. And Belgium's Bashir Abdi, who won the bronze at the last year's Olympics, he finished third in 206.48. Um so and like for me though like one of the one of the most impressive races i thought was cam levens um to finish fourth new canadian record 207 um he was right in the mix um and, and ran over the top of um ken warrell in the last couple of k mm. yeah couldn't believe that when i saw it this morning mm. and fast times pretty deep down yeah like I think they went slow the first 5K, but then after that, they were then rolling three-minute Ks um, for the rest of it. And so um, Toll has run 61.28, I think, for the second half of the race. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. 
Yeah, it was almost like what, um, like Kipchoge, like at the Olympics when he just decides to just go bang and just gaps the field. It was he just he did a Kipchoge on the field. Hmm. That's good. Any other comments there, Moose? Bring back some memories. No, I didn't watch it, mate. I didn't. Um, Jeez, he's gone from racing at Croaks to not even watching it. He's <laughs> on it in the middle of the night, and then it's could a. Have, could have taped it, couldn't you? Can't you do that Foxtel thing? That no, Croaks I got. Does? I signed up to Ko. It's actually really good. I've been watching Brooklyn Summer League. But anyway, um, I I didn't watch it, and now I know the results. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to watch it. Yeah, the only spoiler I got was I watched the 10K this morning before I watched the marathon, and then they made reference to, oh, his compatriot from Belgium won the bronze this morning in the marathon. I was like, oh, okay, well, I know we've got bronze. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on the commentary? For what, all the events? It's always the same guy when I turn it on. Tim Hutchings yeah. and Mara Yamauchi, isn't it? Yama oh, no, I'm on. I'm on SBS. Oh, yes, I'm on. Uh, I'm not on that British one. British guy. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, Tim Hutchings is British. No, yeah, no, I've got a different one. I've got the same guy as um, the the Foxtel one as well. though, croaks, I reckon. Okay, that's yep. not Tim Hutchings, is it? Uh, uh, they were for the walks. Oh, I haven't watched any of the morning sessions or any afternoon sessions. Yeah, no, I don't mind it. It's been fine. It's all right. Uh, some other running news that happened over the weekend that wasn't the World Championships is Charlie Hunter. He ran a big 1,500-metre PB. He ran 3.34.3 at the Sound Running Sunset Series. Um, so good signs for him leading up to the Commonwealth Games because he is on that team. And Jack Anstey also ran a PB. He ran a 3.36.5. And some other doping news that dropped over the weekend croaks. Yeah, names. so Kenyan marathon runner Lawrence Chirono um, has been temporarily suspended by the Athletics Integrity Unit. He tested positive for a banned drug, um, trimetazidine, um, which is uh, like a heart, like people take it for like angina. Um, yeah, so in 2019, Chirono won both the Boston and Chicago marathons, took fourth place at the Olympics last year, and he's the seventh fastest of all time. Um, and then the other athlete that's been provisionally suspended is Nigel Amos um, so he was meant to run the 800 metres, uh, he's tested positive for a banned metabolite um, yeah so he won gold at the 2014 Com Games where Risey was 5th so mm. Mm. he beat Radisha that day, I looked up that result yeah and he, he got back into, because he's sort of, he's been very hot and cold since like 2012 um, but then just recently, he was sort of getting back into decent shape again. Um, maybe, maybe this is That's why. Probably why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other bit of news, the far last bit for the week in the recap is the New South Wales Road Relay croaks up your way. Uh, Botany had a, had a win in the men's there. No, I was in the women's. Women, women's yeah, is it? yeah. Randwick Botany won the women's. Oh, yeah. UTS it, North in the men's. Yeah, yeah. Um, faster splits of the day. Holly Campbell. In the women's 1255, uh, so I think it's 4K, 4K leg, and uh, Ed Goddard was the fastest for the men in 1119. Jeez, no love for Jenny Blundell, Olympian in second there. Oh, yeah, okay. 16. Yep, and uh, Regina Jensen was third in 1333, and second fastest for the men, Stefan Music, uh, 1140, and Bailey <laughs> Habler, third, 1144. Oh, along with Hamish. Longworth, 11.44, and Hamish Hart, also 11.44. you got to get these right in New South Wales. We stuffed it up last time and got a lot of heat for it. Yeah, so UTS won the men's 
47.22 from Sydney Uni, 47.53, and Remick Botany third in 48.54. Um, women's, which, yeah, Remick Botany first, 57.09. Newcastle Flyers, 57.15, and Sydney Uni third, 57.26. So pretty close race there amongst the women. Certainly was. Listen to question, train and talk. Uh, yep. Do you want to? Do we take? Well, there's two parts to it, I think. Um, do whichever part you want. All right, so it comes from Andrew McAvoy. I'm a long-time listener and active AV Masters runner. Love the podcast and have a couple of questions that I had been wanting to ask for a while, both separate topics. So we'll do the first one. I'm a Masters AV runner but still take my running reasonably seriously. Despite regular racing and training, I still find that hard sessions always seem to feel hard regardless of how fit I am. In contrast, I often hear you guys talking about how you enjoyed a particularly hard session or could have done a session again if you had to. If hard sessions always feel hard, is that a sign that runners are trying to push their body beyond what it is capable of, or do most runners feel that way? Is hard a state of mind or a physical barrier? So that's mm. we'll, do, we'll do that question tonight. It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, it is a good question, because why do we enjoy workouts when they're hard? Like... I, I, and I, I read this the other day when it came in and I thought if you took someone at the nine, at the 80% mark of their workout, so 80% through the workout, um, so they're four-fifths of the way through and you ask them, are you really enjoying this? They're saying no. They're not enjoying that. They want it to be over by then. You ask them five minutes after the workout's finished, after their heart rate's down, the lactate's cleared, they compose themselves and go, do you enjoy that? And they're like, yeah, that was good. Um, they got so, the runners, they've got the runners high by that stage, Moose. Yeah, it, it's all relative <laughs> to when you're asking someone if they're enjoying it or have they enjoyed it. But so I, I think um, if someone's had a good session and they've got the results they wanted, they performed how they wanted, their splits lined up to how they wanted them to or their heart rate was good, whatever, um, they're going to have enjoyed it. But the same athlete who doesn't hit the splits they want, who has a really high heart rate, who gets beaten by his training partners, they're not going to enjoy that. So I think enjoyment comes down to performance as well. Like it, it correlates quite highly with, with how you've performed. Um, and there is like, then the second question to that is, uh, well, there's two parts to the first question is, am I racing my sessions too hard? Well, I'd say so. Like, a threshold workout, you, sh you shouldn't feel like it's really hard. And you have to, I guess, work out the purpose of the workout. And then once you do that, you can work out the effort level that is desired for that particular workout. Um, and then at the, like, you, you should have a gauge on almost the maximum effort level that you want during the workout. So if you're doing a threshold and you get to a point where you're like, this is really difficult. Um, don't know if I can keep that pace up. Then, if you like, then you should. The, the gauge is, is, is you've blown through the gauge. It's too hard by then. And so, if you're aware of of what the purpose of the workout is, then you can stop yourself from getting into that really hard territory. And that's where having a coach should be able to help you with as well. Like, I'm not sure whether uh, Andrew does have have a coach, but that's where like a coach should be able to teach you more about running. Um, and teach you to, to, to learn to become a better runner through understanding those things. 
with the threshold stuff, like huge common mistake that people do them too fast, yeah. too hard. Like, yeah. It's one of the best changes I've made in my training, slowing them down. Like it just, it makes training more enjoyable, what he's talking about. And it's like, it's not, uh, yeah, you could probably do the same session, maybe not double it, but maybe you could do a quarter of it again. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just. I think, I think there's actually good research to show that you get a more beneficial result from being a little bit under threshold than being on it. Mm, yeah, sub-threshold, isn't that called? Yeah, I guess they do call it that. Or like, I don't know what they the exact word for it, but by the time you get to threshold, it's almost too late. Yeah. So you want to be underneath it. And that's where like you can tell if, you, if you're coming back, you do a lot of this type of running, you can you you can you have the intuition you can feel where oh hold on i reckon i'm at threshold here i can start to feel stuff accumulate i'm backing it off um but and you got it you got to check the ego so much too and just just pull it back and not not be like a a sucker to the time on the watch and chase a pace yeah that's i think one of the biggest mistakes and i've made it for years and years and years is Figuring out what pace you want to run a half marathon in, or for us, because, you know, we're not that much slower than an hour, and then trying to do so much training at that pace. Um, it's dangerous. It's not enjoyable. And, yeah, add five, ten seconds a K to that, and you'll have much more enjoyment in your sessions, and I reckon you'll run faster. Yeah, and then you get to the VO2 stuff where you actually are allowed to go hard, and it should feel hard. I think a gauge in if you're doing the work, those sorts of workouts correctly, let's say it's eight by a minute hill repeats. Um, a good gauge of the workout is if you can keep the same splits throughout the workout and you don't get dramatically slower um, because that's a sign that, yeah, you've gone too hard and um, it's too hard for the purpose of the workout. You mean you cooked it earlier in the week with that threshold? No, no, I mean... Too hard early in the session. Yeah, earlier in the session. So um, that's a sign that you're you're going too hard in your workout if you can't complete it um, evenly. Yeah, and the workout's meant to be so much slower than a race because it's so much different situation. Like the adrenaline's not there, the atmosphere's not there, you're not fresh, you're tired. Like, yeah, I think people get it wrong, that threshold pace. Anyway, that's anything else to add there, Croaks? Uh, Answer the last bit for him because that is a deep question. Is hard a state of mind or a physical barrier? Oh, look, I think most training sessions should be in that comfortably hard um, zone uh, so that you do finish feeling like you can do more. And like I know since the start of the year where I had COVID and had my calf, like the majority of my training my sessions have been in that range and you know my fitness has progressed like pretty much every month since then Um, and what i've found by keeping the sessions in that comfortably hard zone so for example the six minute reps i do on the treadmill i've been able to do like 36 minutes worth of pretty decent work whereas if i'm running harder and i would have in the past i'm probably only doing 20 minutes worth of work and by me being able to do 36 minutes worth of you know pretty good work it actually makes then my shorter more intense sessions a lot easier because i've just developed that you know broader base so um that's where i think training should be and then as for the last part is harder state of mind or a physical barrier um i think it's both like some some days you're just not up and like hard 
physically is probably like you're running physically within yourself but it feels hard because you could be fright like you know you may have been up all night with the kids and so that's going to be more of a state of a mind than a physical barrier so i think it's i think it can be both it's mm. a good question really like that from andrew i wonder what clubby runs for most you know Maybe. oh andrew you I mean it wouldn't be hard to find out you're the king of google yeah, I'll type it in now. While you guys tell me what's coming up for Moose on the Loose, listen to uh, what are we doing? Moose on the Loose purchase of the week. Tell me, Moose. Um, Moose, uh, you got the dog? Uh, oh, dra- yeah, dramas with the dog. Oh, um, no. no, no, it's coming. It's just, it's now coming in a plane. It- <laughs> <laughs> can't be cheap. It's a bit odd. It's a bit premium, odd. Premium economy. <laughs> it's a really odd setup. The- Apparently the breeders moved to um, Tasmania in the middle of like breeding these dogs, so now it's it's <laughs> now it's coming from interstate Tasmania. Um, so yeah, it's it's coming on Saturday. It's going to be touch or go whether um, whether I whether it comes during the Bundura race or not. But geez, I'm enjoying getting ready for it. I've got this little pen set up here. Went and got it a nice little collar today. Uh, some treats, some chew toys. It's very good. The baby, actually, baby, baby Pia loves the dog bed. See this pen over here? Looks real good for a baby, actually. So I'm thinking we can just sort of grow them up together. <laughs> um, <laughs> just utilize the same equipment, same beds, same toys. They're all squeaky toys. A dog's toy is almost exactly like a, a baby toy. Um, they both drink water, and yeah, no, it's, it should be good. They're going to grow up together. Pia might ride the, the puppy. I'm thinking of getting a saddle for it. You're a dickhead. <laughs> Have you got a moose on the loose? Uh, uh, not, not a, I'm not one I'm too, like, out of control angry about, but the, the medals, like, given the medals out at the end of the race, how are we feeling about that? Like, instead of... They uh, get them on quick, don't they? They get them on quick. And they're not the real medals, are they? They're not, no. no, and there's a medal ceremony afterwards. Mm. Um, so it's a bit odd, isn't it? I just thought... For the oh, photos, isn't it? For the, the photos. photos. It's a bit strange. I saw the sprinter, Shelley, Shelley Ann Thompson, is that her name? Shelley Ann Fraser. Shelley Ann Fraser. Sorry. Yeah, Shelley Ann. How, how good? She's 35. Yeah. And has won, I think this was her fifth world championship gold medal in the 100. Like, she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so That was cool watching her at the Olympics, actually. I, I don't mind. Like, the medal stuff I don't really care too much about. What do you What do you guys think about the false start stuff? Like, oh, I, fuck. The thing, like, I reckon when it gets to the point where when you watch a replay and you can't tell if somebody has broken, then the window that they use with their electronic timing is too small. Like mm. back in the day, you used to be able to look at a replay and you go, yeah, that guy's broken for sure. But I saw it twice today where I could not see who had broken, but in both of those races, somebody was disqualified. Yeah, and that's, that's there's actually a great discussion on Athletes Australia by Nick, Nick Hoff. Um, or is it Hoff? You know, the, the herd. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And so he, he got through to the semis, I believe. Um, he's been a long-time Australian athlete. He's been all the major championships. He actually got on there and talked about it intricately um, and made some great points. And I learn a lot from his chat. 
So he he. Uh, if you just give me one sec, I, uh, he was, he, was he in the camp that it's too harsh now? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is. He said that it's it's not guessing. There's some guys that are just really good starters, and um, they just start so quickly that it's underneath the threshold for the um, the mm-hmm. equipment. Yeah. He, he yeah. So let me just. I just think just, I need to change it. If you look at a replay and you can't tell that somebody's broken. But on the electronic, it, it's got that they've, you know, and because it's such a small amount, they need to, I don't know, maybe within some window, it's a warning. Um, and obviously, you know, if it's a massive break, then it's a you know, disqualification. But those ones you can normally tell with the naked eye. Yeah. And it just, just like, it's a whole, your career, right? Like, yeah. it's your career, just almost, if you were just borderline, this is it. It's done nearly. Yeah, well, be... Devin Allen, he's like, oh, well, I'll go and make my millions playing NFL now. Yeah, I'm going to actually tune into that because I, I don't really watch NFL, but I'm going to keep an eye on how he goes. Mm. It'd be cool to watch him in that, um, like in the big league. What about the coverage of the distance events when they tell you how many kilometers per hour? They oh run? yeah, that, that useless you fucking get marker. That. Or or the distance, like so, it'd be like Jakob, then it'd be like Stewie, one point one meter, yeah. and then it's like Kerr, one point one three meters. You're like that. We can see on the screen. You do not, and that wouldn't be accurate either, would it? They're not wearing GPSs mm. to know the exact no. distance. I do so- like though that in the marathon they would actually give like you know the last five kilometers splits, what they've run for each kilometer. Um, I thought that was always quite oh, yeah, interesting good. to see, like how it's sort of the pace is fluctuating, or the pace is, you know, they've, you know, kicked down to, you know, two fifty pace. Yeah, that's yeah. good. But yeah, the those those speed indicators and distance to the next athlete indicators, they've been developed by someone who doesn't have any history in athletics or watch mm-hmm. athletics. Yeah, I, I don't know how that makes its way onto like an international broadcast waste of space on the screen yeah that's what's happening yeah all right that's muse on the loose what's coming up with a uh, sydney harbour 10k this weekend i think croaks up in sydney going under the harbour bridge up there mm-hmm. brett robertson will win that one continue his winning streak on the roads bundura cross country moose the big state cross country champs down here over 10k yeah world champs, is, world champs is still happening and the commonwealth games kicks off next thursday holy so shit plenty of results and the marathons on saturday the 30th there, yeah, Saturday night. I think it's going to be our time. I know there's a few uh, few pubs in Bendigo putting on the big the big oh, screen. Yeah. Oh the action, yeah. yeah, shutting shutting down for marathon viewing of Andy Buchanan only. So what time be, did you um, say? I think they're talking seven p.m. or something like that. I reckon. Yeah, I think on that chat they were talking about it. I wasn't on there this week, but they were chatting about what time it is. Seven p.m. I think Bendigo. You're going to drive over to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be a cool night. I'm definitely not going to do it, but... You should do it. You should get a little camera up in the corner in case he has a blinder. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's, like, celebrating. Yeah. Throwing pots over each other and stuff. Yeah, yeah no, that good. would be... It, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. I don't think you'll need more than one pub doing it, though, just by the way. I think they're shutting the streets and stuff down, <laughs> making a big street party down there. He, he might get his, his mum and dad's house. It could be the better option. I reckon they'd probably fly, fly over, to be honest. His mum and dad. Oh, true. Yeah, you'd want. I'll be yeah. over there watching. Yeah, that'd be good. You doing anything, Croaks, between now and next week? Uh, back to work, actually. Back to work Ooh. tomorrow. Won't know yourself. Yeah, I've had, had, had a good little break. Moose, what are you doing between now and next week? Ah, well, picking a dog up, you know. Oh yeah. So what happens if that happens on Saturday? 
can't race. Send Bree off to get the dog. The dog she doesn't want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you going to pick it up from the airport? Yeah. First, yeah, she's not going to be happy about that at all. Yeah, but the pain in the asses as they are when you actually got to fly somewhere, not just picking up a dog. Up, yeah, no one wants to go to the airport, especially for a dog that you are that yeah, you are, that you fought to knock in with a baby. <laughs> with the baby, yeah, baby will be sitting there next to this puppy who's been taken from its mum and its litter mates, been put in an airplane by itself for a few hours. Oh, poor Ooh, puppy! Puppy's going to be upset. And get stuck next to a baby for a two-hour drive back to Anglesey. No, it goes in the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a circus of a car. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> anyway, so you'll be racing. Nothing else has happened, I don't think. And um, we'll do it all again next week, fellas. Have a good, good. week, guys. See you later. Have a good evening, fellas. See you later. So grab a friend and register now to be in the running for Peaks and Trails 2022 merch pack. To enter, follow Inside Running and Peaks and Trails on Instagram, tag a friend and enter one of the distances. It really is that easy. Can't wait to see you out on the trails at Dunkeld.